We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, this is Robin Jones-Gunn. We are so happy to have you listening in today. Cheryl Broderson is not with me in studio, but I have a very special guest that I can't wait to introduce you to. This woman, Jolyn Canty, is an author and an illustrator, but what drew me to her was a book she wrote on an amazing woman worth knowing. That woman is Louisa McDonald. Now you might recognize that name, McDonald, if you are a fan of George McDonald, who was a prolific writer during the Victorian era. And Jolyn has written a book about George's wife, Louisa. Jolyn, thank you for being here. I'm thrilled. Oh, Robin, thank you. It is such a blessing to finally meet you face to face. Thank you. Well, this is what happens when two writers have read each other's works. They feel like they're, they're both <laughs> meeting someone that they've As already feel like they know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like I've I've read this book about Louise McDonald and found so many places where I felt even though she lived what 130 years ago mm-hmm. that I could relate to because mm-hmm. she was a wife of a man who was passionate about the Lord and their lives were dedicated to ministry and as a result mm-hmm. this story rings true for anyone who is in that same journey in life so I want you to just jump right in mm-hmm. and tell us first of all why Louisa McDonald? How did you become acquainted with her? What drew you to her? Why did you start writing this book? You know, I first, um, I probably the the beginning was with C.S. Lewis, um, reading his books, and then finding out that he called George McDonald his his master, his mentor, and and learning that he came to Christ through. Um, George MacDonald's book, The Fantasies, um, which which was a fantasy book, um, intrigued me. So I thought, well, who's George MacDonald? I've heard about C.S. Lewis and read his books, but who's this George? So in my early 20s, I started um, reading um, the novels he had written, um, especially the ones that were edited by um, Michael Phillips. And those yes. were great, great uh, books. And, and they, I loved them because they were, he would weave the, the truths of God and Christ into these Victorian novels in such a beautiful way mm. that um, oh, it was it, I was hooked. I was hooked on George. And then um, in 2020, when everything was shut down and the pandemic and things, I had with uh, Jess Lederman, who was the head of the works of George MacDonald, um, I had uh, contributed to a children's um devotional with him a few years before and I I was curious one day and I thought I asked him I texted him and said Jess is there any information about Louisa who who is George's wife is there any books out there I could read because you know it's a pandemic and there's nothing else to do <laughs> good idea and he said Jolyn there is nothing out there really but if you write it I will publish it Wow. So that was your call to jump right in. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had been an English teacher at a private Christian school, a junior high teacher and a high school teacher. And I thought, you know, 
This is good for me to have to put into practice what I taught the students, you know. So. Yes, it is. <laughs> and the amount of, of work and homework you have yes. to do is unbelievable. Yes, but. yes. My husband can attest that my chair was surrounded by books Always. of research. And, and it was wonderful. It was so wonderful to, to find out all these facts because I did not know anything about her. And then you find out... Um, Actually, it reminds me of something I'd read years ago um, about Edith Schaefer. Somebody had asked um, Edith Schaefer who she thought was the most influential woman of the 20th century. And here, you know, she's Frances Schaefer's wife. She had written so many great books herself. And she said, you know what? I don't think anybody knows her. Nobody knows who she is. But she is the woman who's always praying for others faithfully every day Mm. and I think I would want to add and she's also the one that is letting the children come to Jesus doing all she can for children that's that's what I think is the most influential woman and I would say that's Louisa McDonald yes the more I researched and uh, found out and read her letters that Yale's Beinecke uh, library has uh, Ann Wheaton has a plethora of everything. Every letter they wrote, they saved all their letters. And, and so it was an amazing resource. And then you read all of her words, his words, all their letters to their children. And you see, this is this is a woman Edith Schaefer was talking about. And such a deep love that George and Louisa had for each other that yes. you've included excerpts from their letters in the book, and they're just so heartwarming. Just that, yes, it was a Victorian era, and people would write a little more poetically and flowerly, (laughs) is that a word? But that Mm -hmm. you were able to go to that gold mine and pull out those letters made her feel so real to you. Yes, which I needed because um, Jess, my editor, said, you know, I, when I first wrote the first chapter and sent it to him, he wrote back and said, no. <laughs> because I, you know, as a seventh grade English teacher, my job was to teach them how to write a research paper. And that's basically what I was writing was a research paper. And he said, no, I want, I want a narrative biography. I want you to have them talking. I want women to be able to hear her, yes. to, to see Louisa, not a research paper. So I went back in and... um. But I didn't feel right putting words in her mouth. And so having access to the letters and all of, all of this wonderful, uh, and, and actually to her, their son, Greville McDonald, um, wrote a, a massive book called um, George McDonald and His Wife. And it has tons of letters and all of his impressions as their son. And that was very helpful. So I, yeah. I feel confident that I did not put words in her mouth. I used her words to make conversation so you could hear her. You could see what a, an amazing woman she was. And that's why the book just comes alive and mm. she feels so real. But the the book begins with their love story and mm. it's it's delightful. Tell us about <laughs> how they ended up getting married, all the ups and downs. Yeah. Were they going to make it to the altar or not? Oh, man, yes. <laughs> she, um, you know, she was this tiny, petite little thing. I don't think she ever thought she'd get married. She was not this amazing beauty. She parted her hair in the middle and wore it stark. And um, it was just a very kind, humble 
follower of Jesus, um, came from a, um, her father was a prosperous leather merchant, but they lived on the east end of London, which was more of the poverty area. And so she was in rare luxury in that home. But, um, uh, but she had these beautiful, beautiful blue eyes and a passion for music. She was a contralto. Mm. She was an, an expert pianist. And, and so she grew up in a home where they t- were taught and stuff. But women had to be Victorian. They had to be demure. They were not to be accomplished like men. And they were held back. And so I don't think she ever expected the life she had with George. So uh, I... If I recall, Louisa was born in the early 1820s, so definitely in that Victorian era period. So as you said, she had to be demure, and her father had to approve of who she ended up with. And And George, this Scotsman, with his beard and his kilt and his big voice. He was a meteor when he arrived in their (laughs) home. His cousin, Helen, married Alexander, Louisa's brother, and... uh, Helen was this gorgeous woman who was very confident and not demure, and and then she introduces her cousin and and proclaims, uh, she brings him to the the limes was the home they Louisa grew up in. She brings him to the limes and she says, "I want to be the first person who ever says that I." knew George McDonald would be great and famous, and so here's this meteor she introduces, and he's this tall. Scotsman, kind, um, and and not of the class of that Louisa grew up in. So her father was not really pleased, but her mother loved him. Her mother mm. really saw the goodness in him. Louisa grew up in a home where her mother was uh, the, the probably uh, the pivotal, the one that held them together, the one, um, the plumb line for the family. and um, But she was very ill. She had 13 children, and four died in infancy. That's and amazing. by the time Louisa was in high school, she was in a wheelchair, her mother. And so Louisa and her sister, um, Caroline, had to do a lot of the care of the other children and stuff. So here comes a Scotsman, and um, lo and behold, he cares about all of these, uh, the women. He, he really was a marvel to her because he saw the sacredness of life and the sacredness mm. of women and um, actually t- helped her little sister, Annie, who everybody thought was unteachable and would only be good for doing needlework. He taught her math and got her reading and writing. And so Annie adored George. And so, and then for George to be taken with Louisa, I think that came as a great surprise to her. Because she probably thought she wasn't the pick of all these girls, but he had his heart set on her. Now, her mother passed away before they married. Yes, yes. And George had been very ill during their engagement. He was finishing school. Yes, seminary. He, Mm -hmm. you know, he'd wanted to be a doctor. And when they met him, he was in college, uh, King's College, and thinking he would be a doctor. And then his chemistry and those science and math weren't the best. And then he felt, okay, I guess God is leading me. So he went to Highgate College for seminary to become a pastor. And that is when he knew and and Louisa knew he they wanted to be married or that, you know, that they were that close. Um, and just before he was graduating seminary, her mother passed away. And that was a really hard for Louisa. Mm-hmm. But he was he was so amazing to her because he helped her to see 
the goodness of God even in death, to to do the next mm-hmm. thing, to see um, that God's hand is in everything, and let's let's worship Him through this. He was so good at helping her through that pain, and then um, they become engaged. Her father miraculously approves. Um, you know, once he was established in his first church, they decided at Arendelle, and he said, "Okay, I'll let you marry Louisa. You've got a job." And then he, before he's even uh, ordained and commissioned to the church, he falls very, very sick with tuberculosis, so sick. And um, and, and Louisa's father said, I, I, it looks like God is not going to have you marry George. And she said, no, maybe God is saying he needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they did get married when he was well, and he's commissioned to be the pastor at Arendelle. And that, I, that was... Um, I think that first year at at the pastorate, that was their lovely, lovely year. Her father had furnished their little cottage, bought her a piano to have. Mm. She became pregnant with their first child, who would be Lilia. And then things fall apart. Um, well, this church was not so supportive of this no. man with this imagination who loved Jesus and wanted these yes. cons- this conservative small congregation mm-hmm. to embrace the wonders of God <laughs> and the love of Jesus. He, yes, you know, he could have been um, he could have been the pastor of Brighton Church Congregation, which was a more prestigious, more financially stable community. But he told Louise, I'm drawn to Arundel and the poor. They get me. They get my heart. And the majority, the majority did. They adored him and Louisa, but the few, the heads of the church, they were really into the Calvinist thought back then of only the elect are saved and all the rest of you are are doomed. Mm. But he really wanted them to grow. So he tried to teach them to grow in the fruits of the Spirit, the sanctification of that the Holy Spirit does on us, and they did not like it. So after a while, they said, you know, we, we're not really happy with what you're doing, so we're going to cut your salary in half. And they told Louise, I, you know, I think we could learn to, God wants us to live on less, we'll live on less. But then they still were unhappy because he said, no, we're going to learn to walk and be like Jesus, which they did not like. And uh, eventually they they used the excuse, well, the cottage you're using, we need it for other people. And so we... They we, tried everything they yes. could to get him to resign. And he kept yes. saying, no, I love you. I want to stay here. Yes. Well, and Louisa had such a part in that community, too, yes. and having Serving. people in the home and just yes. really giving themselves. Constantly. Um, so that must have been a terrible blow for and them. And with a baby and, yes. and living on less, yes. And, and then he did say to her... I think we do need to leave now when they wanted to drop it again. The salary and wanted them out of their residency. He said, Louise, I don't want to cause dissension. He said, I know that there are many, many who want us to stay and the few mm-hmm. who don't, but it'll cause dissension. So we will leave quietly. And so they did. And he went back to London and he um, would speak. And uh, it, it was it's such a long, that, that began the time of really, of their real financial hardships, of mm-hmm. great poverty. Great poverty, um, but he and in, you'd see it in a lot of his novels. The way he embraced it and saw Jesus in it to walk them through it, to trust them. I mean, there were so many times they had to just pray and trust, and then at the last minute, I mean, when they had no food, the door would ring, that that check would arrive in the mail from Lady Byron, Lord Byron's wife, or somebody like that that said, "Your books have changed my life and my heart so much." 
here is a gift. Well, and I remember you wrote how Lady Byron had been so generous with them. And, Mm -hmm. of course, both of them were saying, oh, no, no, you don't have to. But there was this great line about how Lady Byron made it clear that she was giving for the people that would hear his messages yeah. and read his books. Not I'm not him. giving this to you. I'm yeah. just keeping you alive so that you yes. can keep eating, keep writing. Yes. Keep, and that's that's a true patron. And, oh, yes. And then, as you mentioned, when she passed away and they were just down to the last and Louisa came home devastated, her, her purse had been snatched yes. or lost. Yes. And what are we going to do? They prayed and then soon a knock at the door and here's... $3,000 or pounds or something. Yeah. I mean, tremendous amount of money just at the right time. Mm-hmm. You had added in the book a really wonderful, helpful timeline of how their, as you said, this difficult time in their life began where it was delighting in the Lord, wanting to serve and minister, mm-hmm. having baby after baby <laughs> after baby, 11, 11 babies, 11, 11 babies, yeah. until... You see this timeline, and it seems in sync with had a baby, had to move, had to move again two years later, had another baby. And so this pilgrim's journey they were on, and yet through their letters and these other quotes that you're able to draw from, their faith did not waver. How do you think Louisa was able to just stay so strong, caring Mm -hmm. for a sick brother-in-law, her children— it was quite a life, quite <laughs> overwhelming. You know, I think they, I think one of the greatest things was they lived by the the rule: you do the next thing. You just God's will is not a person, place, geographic location, financial. It's just do the next thing. That's God's will, and wow, that's, that's what good. they did. Uh, that's, that's what so she good. did. They, um, and there was the holy saint sacrament of each moment and you glorify him through the pain this must be god's will he loves us he is sovereign do i believe in a sovereign god who loves me when i open the door and he knocked do i really believe he came in and he's with me they did and and um they lived it out they lived it out to their kids when you see the writings um greville in his book their son and their other children their letters what they learned and they watched their parents um, teach them in it all, teach them in the grief. They, George, um, George miraculously, as the first one with tuberculosis, survived them all. He watched his two brothers die of it. His sister died of it. His, then their, their firstborn, um, they had four children die of tuberculosis. Louisa mm-hmm. nursed them all, took mm-hmm. care of them all. So many times when George would become so deathly ill and they thought that was the end, she just would do the next thing. I will care for him. I will pray. I will trust. I'll care for my children. We'll just do the next thing and and trust. It was just this, we'll trust and obey. Like that old hymn, for there's yes. no other way to be happy. Yes. And you don't see, um, she did go through depression. She uh, When her babies or children died at times, she did go through um, hard sorrow. Mm. But... Um, for me, what I saw that pulled them together was we will, we won't. Um, actually, this makes me think. Of it, if I may, you may not 
I had, we had a dear friend named um, Terry Burns, mm. and she passed away from cancer. Um, her husband, um, Dave Burns, was a music worship leader of Peninsula Bible Church, uh, where we worshiped in the Bay Area. And um, she had this rule. She called it the 30-second rule. And I, when you think of Louisa, she was just like this, too. Terry's rule was, I will not talk about myself more than 30 seconds. It will be all about you. It'll never be about me. Wow. And that is what they I think that's what got them through everything. Everything is going to be about you, about others, about our children, about uh, how do we bring Christ in the books. I have, I loved this where he told Louisa when, if I'm not going to be allowed, because see, he wasn't allowed to be a pastor anymore. He was blacklisted. They said he's, you know, he doesn't preach Calvinism. He's, he does, you know, they, no, no congregation was going to hire him. So he, he said, um, Stories are an ideal means for showing the sacramental character of life. And uh, I agree with that. <laughs> That's he, so true. He, so he said, I will tell the sacrament of the life mm. God's given us all through stories, and I will glorify him through stories. So he, while well, he wrote uh, to try to support them and share Christ, she cared for children which i love yes uh, and took in more children yes Eleven's <laughs> <laughs> not enough no let's go see so who many. else could be part of our family why not and you know they could have had the perfect excuse not to sure. we don't have the finances my husband is so ill we have too many kids our our hands are full and uh, for Earl and I, I we relate to this a lot because we have three homegrown <laughs> and we have three heart grown. Oh, you know? that's beautiful. And the first one, uh, our son Samuel, we, my husband had um, sm- smuggled and taught the Bible underground in Romania. Hmm. And then when Ceausescu was executed and they started showing, uh, communism fell and they started showing all of these children on 2020, you know, and in the orphanages. Yes. Uh, we were compelled. Actually, Isaiah fifty-eight compelled us. If you if you bring the naked and the poor and the child into your home, if then your recovery will speedily spring forth and your light will shine like the darkness. And that was our verse that so carried good. us to Romania. Wow. And uh, and it wasn't a good time. We were taking care of Earl's father who was dying and had cancer. We had an, uh, our how old was she when we first started? We had a nine-month-old little girl. We had a, an older daughter. We Our hands were full. The earthquake of 1989 hit, and we had to move out of our house. And oh. so, But if then, and you, you see that with Louisa, you see that yes. um, she took them in, even though they absolutely, people thought they were nuts. And back then, too, it was not fashionable to care for orphans because they're going to grow up to become like their parents or they'll be thieves or they'll be ignorant. And and so there was a stigma then. There was a stigma in Romania there Mm -hmm. for us. They told us, you don't want, you don't want to take in an orphan. He's going to become a criminal. He's, you know, he's from an unwed mother. You don't, you don't want to mess with that. And she went through that too, judged by the community, but she didn't care. It was, we're called to care for the children. I wonder then, with your research of her from early on, 
how the Lord used that to just soften your heart so that it was nothing but open arms because you saw it played out. I mean, this is the value of the women that we talk about to see how God worked in their lives when they obeyed him. Yes. And that there's there's nothing that is impossible for God. Yes. It's just our opportunity when he invites us to join him in yes. his work and and that's yes. what Louisa did and that yes. role model then for you mm-hmm. played out in your life as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we you know, we look we we want to say oh I want to obey God. I want to have a heart. I want to have a burden. Mm-hmm. But I, we saw in Romania and with our others burdens um, cost you. But grace is always there, but grace requires a response. You know, grace, yes. God's grace always requires a response. Yes. And Louisa responded, I will trust that his grace will carry me through. And I think that's what we've learned, that God's grace requires a response of trust and faith always, but God's grace will carry So us good. Through. That's yeah. so good. And that's really where her life, they both, Louisa and George, had long lives. Yes. Outliving, as you said. Four children. Four of their children. A grandchild. And they yeah. traveled to Italy. To the United States, where George gave lectures, met yes. Mark Twain, and <laughs> yes. many other, yes. Harriet Beecher Stowe. I mean, this yes. was an extraordinary life for people yeah. that would be looked at and told, you're in abject poverty, and you have mm-hmm. nothing to be able to um, give to these other children, yeah. Yeah. and yet God supplied all their needs. And, you know, they... Um I loved their parenting strategy. Loved it. I just love the model of it's not about us, again, the 30-second mm. rule. It's not about me being a famous writer and you just follow me around, Louisa, with the kids and keep them out of my way. It was um, we will find their golden thread. We will help them thrive. They will thrive mm-hmm. to serve the Lord and flourish in Christ. And they all did, the ones who survived. They all did. Um, Gravel became a prominent physician, and he actually worked with, um, oh, what is the name of that man? Pasteur. Pasteur. Really? Pasteur. Louis Pasteur. Yeah, and they helped develop... Um, that you want to have everything cleanly and stuff and surgeries and stuff there to avoid infection. He was right there at the forefront with him. And, and there uh, was a connection with Florence Nightingale. Yes, yes. And that time for them in, in not being in ministry but being free because George was writing mm-hmm. allowed them to have such a wider ministry. And then his books had Through, such... To um, Louisa and yes. her drama, she there's so much about Louisa. I wrote, I tried to write down everything she did, and she was a writer. She's a published writer. Her book is still available. Of the dramas she wrote for children. Um, well, and then you have to say she uh, had her children act out these dramas. Yes. <laughs> so whether they wanted to or not, once yes. they were teenagers, yes. it was a ministry. Yes, Princess they, uh, Anne, Princess Louise. Queen Victoria's daughters would go to the plays. They loved them. Um, Queen Elizabeth, actually, I mean, Queen Victoria, sorry, Queen Elizabeth, who just passed away. But, uh, Queen Victoria gave every single one of her grandsons, George MacDonald's book, uh, Robert Falcon. Mm. They, they were beloved by um, so many, although they weren't in that society. When they went to America to do his lectures, they got to meet the most prominent, Mark Twain, Emerson, Whittier, uh, 
Oliver Wendell Holmes and stay in their homes and stuff, but um, not in England. They weren't. You know, they were. They had great friends through Lady Byron. Right. But, um, yeah, it is amazing. And they they didn't go for the literary society of London, yeah. but rather those who were looking to honor God with their writing. I yes, know, that connection with yes. Harriet Beecher Stowe is a sweet one. Yes, and as well. The, the beauty of how Louisa used her gifts, her golden threads. She had these golden threads that God had woven in her, and she used them. She could have been depressed with everything and overwhelmed, but she just did the next thing. And just the, the amazing dramas, the things she did when she opened her home, two children, two families constantly in London and then in Italy, because um, they moved to Italy for George's health. It's, it's just remarkable what she did what they did for christmas their um what what, what did they call it the vivant the um oh, they went she, all out yes. so that there was much celebration yes they would um i can't remember what they called it it's all it's french term but she they would uh dress up like characters of the nativity or the Bible at Christmas time, and they'd have people come through their home, and they would stand like statues and have them, and they would live out the story. That's amazing. Then have tea and cakes for the children and little gifts for them, and um, they always had their home open, um, which I loved, too. I learned, I think that's a mm. wonderful thing for her to teach is hospitality. Because um, I have heard through the years, well, that's your gift. Hospitality is your gift. But no, it's a command. We are told. Yes. yes. We are told to open our homes. And she did. They had, in Italy, they didn't have their furniture yet. They had to make makeshift furniture and whatever they could find. But they opened their homes so that he could teach on Sundays and Wednesdays and read to the children and people of Shakespeare and Tennyson and Burns and uh, Dante and the scriptures and teach them so that they could learn too, so they could flourish from the beauty of Shakespeare, of everything, and then to have to do the... So rich, the because that education and homeschooling their children yes. was based in stories and in literature, and yeah. it allowed all those kids to grow up and be really um, established and successful off mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. um, there's just to summarize when you'd said at the beginning that um, C.S. Lewis had been so influenced by George MacDonald and has accredited MacDonald for a big part of his salvation story from reading a fairy tale, <laughs> which is so great. But then you included this in your book that... Um, during the end of their days when George is really, um, has accomplished so much with writing, but it's all really been Louisa who's been a, a supporting, standing beside, but mm -hmm. then in her own right, mm -hmm. creating stories and doing ministry with such freedom. Mm -hmm. So then George has written um, his finished poem was A Book of Strife in the Form of the Diary of an Old Soul, oh, yes. <laughs> published in 1880. Yes. And 72 years after it was published, on Christmas Day, 1952, C.S. Lewis gave his future wife, Joy Davidman, mm -hmm. a copy of the book by then known as Diary of an Old Soul. Yes. Lewis had somehow obtained a first edition copy with an inscription 
by George on the front page. Yes. <laughs> it really touches me. Yes. Like what a gift. Yes. So it's it that that work, that ministry, that um storytelling gift mm-hmm. went on to the next generation and now mm-hmm. in the generation. I gave that. it as my wedding gift to Earl. Did you really? Not one that was signed oh. by George MacDonald. Wouldn't that have been lovely? But I that was oh. my wedding gift to Earl was a copy of Diary of an Old Soul. And I love that book that book so much because, um, and I have this theory about it, because he often would uh, quote and talk about um, uh, Tennyson's In Memoriam mm-hmm. and gave lectures on it and stuff. And his Christmas gift to Louisa was he had handwritten in his beautiful handwriting the entire uh, in memoriam, oh. um, be, the Christmas before they were married. Um, and I, I read through in memoriam. I was really curious while doing the research of this book, why was that so important for him to give to Louisa? What was it about that for Louisa? And it actually became probably more poignant through all their suffering and all that they had to go through because in memoriam, Tennyson wrote um, as he struggled to deal with his best friend's death and his godly best friend who had really uh, pointed him to Christ, Tennyson, mm-hmm. as along with Tennyson's wife, they really, uh, he finally wrestles through all the grief of his best friend and finally at the end of this very, very long poem is solid with God and is in ex- accepting and in peace with it. And then I think that that's why George wrote... Um, Diary of an Old Soul. It was his way of dealing with the grief, the horrible grief of losing child after child after mm-hmm. child when he would survive tuberculosis, but then to watch them wither and die from mm. it. Um, that was his way of healing. And I think it was a gift to Louisa, too. That, And it's very similar to In Memoriam. It's, it's a one for every day almost of the year. Like In Memoriam, it was his way of every day going, okay, God. You help Louisa and I help us to glorify you through this sorrow, to worship you through this sorrow every day, every moment. Just worship you through it, and that's it. The every day for us, it's the same. Yes, it's, it's different circumstances, but still the challenges and the health issues and the death and the children and the fa- and yes. that every day just turning to the Lord. I'm so glad you wrote this book and that you did it in the form you did because it just feels like a visit with mm-hmm. a close friend that we'll meet one day in heaven, which will yes. be so fun. Bless the Lord. But I would love for you to tell our listeners where they can get your book, The Life of Louisa McDonald, Far Above Rubies is the okay. title. And tell, um, also, this is so fascinating, where do the proceeds go for this book? Um if you go to Amazon and you um, look for um, Far Above Rubies and my name, JoLynn Canty, um, and it's spelled J-O-L-Y-N, and my last name is C-A-N-T-Y, like candy but with a T, not a D, <laughs> and, um, it, and you'll find it. And you'll also find, if I may, another book that I illustrated and and helped write a little mini biography about their daughter um, Lilia. Yes. And both of the proceeds of these books um, 
go to Help Embrace Washington, which is a Christian nonprofit in Spokane that uh, with which my husband and I volunteer and work with. They let me do art camps every summer for the foster kids. And so, I, and I, we have a very big heart for foster. We were foster parents. We foster adopted one of our children. Um, and so we, we're too old to do it now, but, and to adopt anymore, but we can help the foster kids and this, this pro, all the proceeds of this book and the other book go towards helping so them. So wonderful. Yeah. So wonderful. And this book is wonderful. And I'm so glad you were able to be with us so we could get to know you a little bit, Jolyn, mm-hmm. but also to hear about Louisa. And I just want to say to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We look forward to being with you again. This is Robin Jones-Gunn and... I'm here with <laughs> JoLynn Canty. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn.